This is All Things Ansys, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 49, we've talked with PADT's lead CFD engineer, Clinton Smith, about the different ways you can model pollution with Ansys tools, followed by news and events in the Ansys and PADT worlds. Hi there, I'm Eric Miller, one of the owners of PADT and your host for this podcast. Here we are at episode number 49, one more, and we hit the big 5-0. Uh, I hope that doesn't hit me personally as hard as my 50th birthday did. I think I'm still in depression from that. So uh, it should be a good celebration, and we, we uh, hope you join us for that episode. And what comes for the next 50? We've had 14,545 downloads as of Saturday night. Right now, I'm recording this on October 19th in the evening. So, you know, I think if all things go well, by the time we put that 50th one out there and it's been downloaded a few times, we'll have over 15,000 listens to our podcast. Um, I like round numbers, so it'll be nice to have 15,000 at, at 50. Um, don't forget to share it with other people. Uh, get the word out there. Let people know that uh, you like this podcast and they should listen to it so we can get more listeners. <clears throat> so today we have a great topic that I enjoyed learning more about. Uh, I got on a call with Clinton Smith, uh, who works here at PADT, to talk about the use of ANSYS simulation tools to predict and control environmental pollution in the air, water, and uh, he reminded me, even sound. It's a really unique and interesting application um, that uses a wide variety of the simulation capabilities we have in the ANSYS suite. Um, so so do, do listen in. It's, it's a pretty good discussion, um, and hopefully it'll give you an idea of what you can do with the tool. Our lead engineer in the CFD area of the uh, company. Hi, Clinton. Hi, Eric. How are you today? Doing good. Thanks for joining me. We're, we're talking like we're very distant, but we're about 10 feet apart. But the sound's quality is better when we sit in our offices and use our headphones. So <laughs> thanks for joining me. Yeah. We're going to talk today about um, what we um, uh, call the ability in ANSYS Fluent to do environmental pollution modeling. And we talked a little bit before we started recording. And correct me if I get this wrong. So what we're what we're looking at here is wanting to model. Oftentimes, the the goal of an engineering project that's using fluid flow is something is producing stuff we don't want, and we want to understand how much is being produced, what is being produced, where it's going, and hopefully how we can capture it or eliminate it or filter it or something like that. And uh, we can now um, now they've kind of put together a, a, a group of tools in Fluent to help us do that is that is that a good statement for what we're talking about yes that's that's exactly right cool cool and and um the other thing that i kind of got after talking to clinton a little bit in the beginning and kind of as a preamble is um this is not really any different in, in some ways than any other multi-species simulation we're just uh kind of focusing on the idea of the unwanted species and how to deal with them and, and to be more efficient in that process Yep. Mm -hmm. So, so why don't you why don't you just kind of give us an overview, Clinton, of what what you can do with this tool, uh, in f these tools in Fluent, and how how they kind of work? Maybe maybe even like a workflow for a simple simulation of I don't know whatever you want to pick, like combustion or something. Sure, sure. So, from an overview standpoint, with what we're able to to do inside the Ansys framework, particularly in Fluent, as Eric mentioned, mm -hmm. we can. Uh, essentially model and, and calculate the effect 
effects of air pollution, mm-hmm. which can take on uh, various forms. Um, one of the most common ones is pollution control from a combustion process, mm-hmm. um, whether it's uh, propulsion like a, a turbine engine or your car, uh, or it could be you know some type of industrial uh, combustion process. And particularly, we're looking at what pollutants form. So we're mm-hmm. trying to predict you know nitric nitric oxides formation, sulfuric oxides, or even soot depending on mm-hmm. what it is. Uh, and we're always striving for greater accuracy there um, mm-hmm. because uh, the regulatory requirements are are mm-hmm. always getting more stringent. And of right. course, it's bad anyway. So we want to <laughs> reduce, <laughs> reduce those things as mm-hmm. best we can. Um, and so that, that's kind of the air pollution, uh, uh, you know, arena. And then mm-hmm. uh, we can we can also predict effects of water pollution, which again is a, is a huge problem as everyone is pretty well aware. Mm-hmm. Uh, treating wastewater, uh, cleaning up oil spills, these types of um, ne- sort of negative situations, we can we can actually model and approximate what happens, and then find ways to maybe mitigate it, uh, mm-hmm. whether that's in treatment plants or uh, cleanup strategies for for oil spills, uh, and so on. And then last, but uh, but definitely not least, um, is is the idea of noise pollution, so predicting sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay whether that's due to flow-induced sound or device-induced sound. Uh, but uh, increasingly, it's becoming more and more of something that people designing um, devices are becoming more and more aware of. Uh, and sound can be, you know, if something has a really irksome or frustrating sound mm-hmm. at the proper frequency, it can it can drive you absolutely crazy and you you wouldn't buy it or you wouldn't go there. Um, right. So that, that can be also, we can approximate the effect of sound in, in a medium, typically air. I'm I'm glad you brought that up. I was at a conference two days ago, and one of the sub-sessions was on drones. And someone asked the question of the expert uh, from Intel, actually. They've got a big drone program. Why aren't commercial drones doing better? And was it cost? Was it regulation? He said, it's noise. Um, They're really loud. Mm -hmm. And every time – there's the privacy concerns, but what's really stopping it is the noise pollution they create. If you had these things buzzing around, it it would drive everybody insane. So uh, we need to to reach out to those of you making drones and and use this package to reduce the sound signature as well, the sound pollution. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it was it was kind of a surprise because I thought they were going to say it was the privacy issue, which a lot of people have. They don't want these things flying over their backyard uh, while they're lounging by the pool. But uh, you can you can route them down public streets, um, but nobody wants to hear them. <laughs> so it would be really annoying. Um, yeah. So so great. Um, so so why don't you explain – I don't know. What's a, what's a, let's start with the water pollution. I think that's pretty simple. And I think Nathan was working on a, 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 a project for a customer where we were introducing some waste material into flow and mm-hmm. then predicting what it looked like downstream. So why don't you just kind of explain what that kind of a simulation would look like from far as introducing the pollutant and tracking the pollutant and, and maybe putting in some mitigation Sure, sure. So a, a common one mm-hmm. uh, are modeling like municipal, uh, what we call, would call waterworks, canals or okay. channels or, or mm-hmm. water control ditch systems uh, with mm-hmm. gates. Um, mm-hmm. And often those are, you know, feeding into, you know, they're, they're redirecting clean water out from the, the sanitation plant or they're bringing the mm-hmm. dirty water in to be cleaned. And okay. so in situations like that, we would 
you know, we would model those uh, waterworks, shall we say, with mm -hmm. uh, maybe some initial concentration of particulate matter, uh, okay. whether it's uh, like a, a sewage type of pollution or maybe it's mm -hmm. a chemical like chlorine okay. or uh, ozone uh, mm -hmm. that where we have sort of in solution, okay. we, we would typically say we have some guess of what we think it is based mm -hmm. on a measurement, perhaps from the mm -hmm. municipality. Okay. And then we introduce that into our fluent model mm -hmm. and we, you know, basically let the model show us where does the, the sewage particulates migrate to under mm -hmm. these operating conditions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, and I think the issue there was going through some weirs or some gates. They were worried about concentration in the turbulent area, like a little whirlpool or something like that, if I remember correctly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah you're you're looking for where does the where the dead space is, mm -hmm. um, where does the flow sort of settle out, or where does mm -hmm. the sludge concentration build up? Uh, and then you know, there's there's other concerns as well. You know, once you get it into your sanitation plant. Mm -hmm. What do you do with it? So you mm -hmm. have a flotation, big flotation machines okay. that mm -hmm. uh, where you have a flotation machine is basically just a, a big tank with an impeller, some sort of mm -hmm. impeller in the middle. Mm -hmm. And that we can model the the motion if, if we want to get that detailed of that giant, in some cases, very large uh, mm -hmm. boom impeller that moves slowly around, basically mixes the, the tank for some purpose of um, – floating you know waste material to the mm -hmm. top okay they, they bond it with a chemical and then stirring it up makes it uh, makes the bonding work mm -hmm. and then you get the bad stuff to float up to the top and you get everything else to settle out the bottom and then you take the water and go downstream and do it again and so you sort of mm -hmm. clean it you know mm -hmm. multiple steps through these flotation machines and we've we've modeled those here at pdt mm -hmm. before uh, and they're used for water processing mm -hmm. and, uh, and lots of other applications mm -hmm. So, so let's dig into that a little bit it, it, as far as the mechanics and the tools available to users. Um, you, we can model that chemical. How would you model the chemical bonding? I introduce a chemical that, that changes the buoyancy of a certain pollutant I want to remove. How, how's that modeled in Fluent? So there's, yeah, it's uh, like many, many things. There's sort of a variety of ways you could right. do it. Um, so you, we can, we can model the full, uh, physics if we want to, um, mm -hmm. we, we don't do the, the molecular scale, um, right. dynamics necessarily, but we can model the chemical surface reaction of mm -hmm. say the, the flocculation agent, or mm -hmm. which is basically just think of it like dish soap, okay. right? You put your, your sort of sticky flocculant into mm -hmm. the, the material mm -hmm. and you can model that bonding onto your your chunk of um, so we want we won't talk dirt. about what it is yeah, <laughs> yeah whatever it may be in, in mining it's like a piece of rock right <laughs> yeah. or in pay, they use these in paper processing so okay. it might be a chunk of paper okay um, we can take that and model the surface reaction of the mm -hmm. the dish soap the flocculent uh, chemical okay. um, and then say what happens you know how and that, that's that's the most rigorous way uh, mm -hmm. but but that's pretty detailed and can sometimes mm -hmm. be a little more costly. So we could take a step back and just say, hey, we know something about that because we've mm -hmm. we've either studied in a lab or um, we've, we know the physics or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And we can just approximate that and say, well, we know this happens. We're going to say that we were, we, we've assumed it's happened already and we're going to create these particles that have the characteristics of the, the flocculent bonded to whatever it is mm -hmm. already. Okay. So, 
and then just let that float to the top. And how does it float to the top? And where does how does the water currents and the eddies mm-hmm. change that or make it better or worse? Cool. So you can really dial it in up or down the the fidelity you want of those different chemical or or physical reactions. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Cool. Cool. Very cool. Okay. Well, let's step it up a little bit into combustion, which is what I thought of when we first brought this topic up, uh, of course, is, and we've got an internal combustion engine project that we're applying this to. Uh, We're not just looking at the efficiency of this cycle and the internal combustion, which I can't talk about in any detail, but we're looking at not just the efficiency, but also the pollutants that are created in that reaction. So, so how would, what, what are the, what are the tools available on the, on the combustion modeling side? to calculate what's created by the combustion? Yes. So there's several tools uh, Mm -hmm. available. Um, Kind of the the classic example is like uh, jet engine combustion or Mm -hmm. internal combustion, uh, IC engine, Mm -hmm. either diesel or gasoline. Mm -hmm. And in those two scenarios, uh, we have uh, physics models available to to calculate the the full reaction physics, so mm-hmm. what actually happens when you burn the fuel, and what does the flame shape look like, and what uh, what reactants come into the process, what products do you get out of it, mm-hmm. and then from there, we that's really where we start to get interested about the pollutants because the pollutants are just products that come out of it, mm-hmm. and we can then say, you know, under these conditions, we can ask Fluent to tell us, you know, how much. Uh, NOx, uh, nitrous okay. oxide, um, do I get from this part of the process? Or how much sulfuric oxides do I get from that part of the process? Um, what type of free radicals am I getting coming out of the reaction? Am I getting you know, just a hydrogen ion bouncing around that might bond to stuff? Or maybe an oxygen ion that's been stripped off of the water that was mm-hmm. somehow part of the initial reaction? Again, that's bouncing around that could, mm-hmm. could oxidize onto something and cause problems. So we can then say you know at these these uh, operating conditions these are the types of pollutants that i get and then from there we can predict the again the time evolution of those those pollutants through the system through the system itself Mm-hmm. Very cool. And and again, it's different levels, right? You can get to the point where you're writing actual code to model these reactions, use, use uh, some expressions or uh, even some, some pre-existing models that you can just turn on. Is that, is that valid? Correct. Yeah, most of this is is built into the code. It's been developed significantly mm-hmm. over. I mean, since okay. the, even the early days of Fluent okay. And, okay. and CFX. Mm-hmm. So they do. They both have uh, and, and other codes as well. So we mm-hmm. have uh, uh, the, the the reaction design suite of tools right. that right. that also have the ability to predict NOx formation, um, sulfuric mm-hmm. oxides, uh, CO. Uh, so these these tools have been developed over probably thirty mm-hmm. years. Plus, right, and so essentially now it's as from a user standpoint. In many cases, it's it's as simple as just checking the box on mm-hmm. uh, once you've done your your combustion reaction. Um, now, if you have something unique, maybe that that hasn't been done yet, of course you okay. can always customize it. Yeah, you could use expressions, uh, so you can write you know a, a simple linear relationship as an expression between say one variable of your system and another, okay. and then just type that in, you know, in human readable syntax into into a field uh, in CFX or Fluent. Um, Or, you know, if you have something that's that's a bit more unique, shall we say, from a mathematical standpoint, uh, where maybe it's nonlinear or it's highly time dependent, you can tie that more directly into the solver. and, And that does require some coding. 
right but it's all it's all there and and you can you can use the level that you you need to get where you need to go which is which is pretty exciting um so uh, and the, so we talked about the the creation of the of the of the species that we don't like so we label them pollutants um h- how about modeling getting rid of them uh we talked about flotation but what are the other mechanisms that we can model uh in the tool set yeah yeah so that uh that kind of brings us to like uh some other types of processes like mm-hmm. air, basically air quality control right uh, that's kind of a broad category. So mm-hmm. in some cases, uh, we, we have like a catalytic converter in your car is a good mm-hmm. example, okay. uh, where we can model, uh, the, uh, again, a variety of ways we can, we can model the detailed physics of that mm-hmm. device, um, and, and the bonding of the, uh, you know, the pollutants to the, the catalytic filter material. Uh, but often what we end up typically doing is we approximate that and we model the blockage because okay. the, when you, you know, you're typically as a, uh, car truck designer, you, you want as little blockage as possible mm-hmm. to get as much horsepower as you can. So you want to minimize that, but still scrub out all the bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so then that applies in other applications as well. So we can model other types of air scrubbers, uh, that are used pretty widely, like in uh, industrial processes, they use electrostatic precipitators a lot, uh, for scrubbing dirt. You can take dirt out of the air. You can take uh, other types of like concrete dust they're used. Um, and you basically, you push the flow through some big plenum mm-hmm. and you react, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you have a charge, uh, differential potential oh, difference cool. uh-huh. through some plates, you know, just almost like a battery, but it's air flowing through, not a, a liquid, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. um, catalytic material and you uh, you basically use that charge differential to uh, attract the the dust or the cement or whatever it is you're scrubbing out of the air onto the, the filter grids um, and that's something we've done uh, at PDT and helped others mm-hmm. do as well so that that's also possible and then there's other types of devices that that are even more complex like um, selective catalytic reduction is a scrubber for diesel processes okay and, and that uses uh, other other types of uh, of physics, um, and and we can model those also. Very cool. So it's it's pretty broad application, um, mm-hmm. uh, both 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 in the creation and the mitigation and and prediction of where things are traveling. Um, is there is there anything else that people that are interested in in modeling this kind of stuff should know about the ANSYS tool set for this area? Yeah, a couple of things I would add mm-hmm. um, on the I mentioned briefly at the beginning, but the ability to uh, model the effect of oil spills, um, which ah. you know, are maybe le- a lot less common than say wastewater treatment, but mm-hmm. but they are of course very terrible when they happen. Yeah, yeah. it and makes a big impact when it does happen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and and of course oil. Uh, the oil uh, industry operators have to model this stuff because they have to prove that to the regulators that, you know, hey, we're we're not going to blow up this pipeline and it's not going to mm-hmm. fatigue out and leak oil in the Gulf or mm-hmm. uh, the ship's not going to crash and, and leak mm-hmm. you know, liquid natural gas, whatever it is. So, so they do a lot of, you know, a priori modeling okay. of trying to predict what might happen if you know, there's this failure mode, um, whether the oil slicks migrating on the ocean surface, whether mm-hmm. it's like in the deep water case, it's shooting up deep under the ocean. Right. Uh, we have that ability as well to say, here's this, this, whatever it is crude in some mm-hmm. place. And how is it going to evolve over time in the ocean or in this mm-hmm. river or whatever it may be? 
Cool. Um, and then last but not least is, yeah, the, the noise pollution. Mm -hmm. I'll just touch on that real quick. Yeah. Um, there's, there's lots of cases that we find in, in life and in, in uh, <laughs> you know, designing products for this, but like drones, of course, is a perfect one, but, mm -hmm. uh, even like your, your AC system right. in your house, you know, if you, uh, have certain in certain conditions it can whistle if you have the filter mm -hmm. in the in wrong or whatever uh and so we can we can uh, simulate that again it's it's a safety calculation of the flow but then what we're really looking for are the tiny pressure fluctuations that actually represent the sound uh, and we can uh interrogate the solution essentially and say at this operating condition how what does it sound like um what how bad is it what's the frequency what's the pitch um and so on and so forth that's that's very useful yeah cool so you know I've, i'm sitting here thinking about it and you know a lot of what we do as engineers is we design products to specifications and requirements right and um stuff we don't want from what we're doing is is just as important sometimes as, as maximizing the efficiency of getting the stuff we want and um these are these are some great tools to allow us to to design to those requirements to minimize or handle or sequester the things that we produce that we don't want so that's pretty it's pretty cool to think of it that way exactly yeah well i really appreciate it i actually learned it a ton um and and uh it, it's it's i haven't really thought about it this way um ever <laughs> so i i'm glad this came up you know i just i just think of fluent as, as modeling fluid flow and the reactions and all those things and i i did i sometimes don't think about the the class of applications so this is a good one yeah yeah, it's it's pretty fascinating stuff, and then the tools are getting better and better, and and mm -hmm. of course computers are getting faster and faster. So we can do things even we couldn't do five years ago, uh, with with the tools. So mm -hmm. it's it's pretty fun to, fun thing to be a part of. That's that's a great way to finish it because I think um, some of us that have been in the industry for a long time would would look at modeling these situations and go, you know, it's a lot easier to test. Um, it, there's just no way I can predict this behavior, uh, but that's not true any longer. Or or maybe there's not no way, but it's going to be really complicated. The computers have gotten faster, the software's gotten better, um, the models have gotten more accurate. So so if you haven't looked at this in a while, it's probably a good time to to sit down and take a look. Exactly. Cool. Well, thank you, Clinton. You're going to be talking about this more in a webinar coming up. When is that? I believe in. Let me check the calendar. Yeah, I'm doing the same thing. Soon. <laughs> I think I think it might be next week, but let me just. Okay. I don't want to speak out of turn here. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it's the 23rd, the 23rd. October 23rd, Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Cool. So do attend. Uh, as we always say, we like to talk about this stuff, but uh, when we do the webinar, um, there's real examples with pictures, so it's a little bit easier. Hopefully, we piqued your interest in signing up for that webinar, and as, as always, you can watch it uh, afterwards as well. You just need to register and download the recording. So thank you, Clinton. I really appreciate it. I know you're super, super busy, so thanks for taking the time out to do this. And uh, I'm going to drive by the uh, SRP. SRP is one of the local... Uh, power suppliers here in town uh, by the SRP plant that I drive by on my way home with a slightly different point of view. I'm going to see uh, streamlines coming out of those stacks now when I go by <laughs> with different exactly. colors for particulate concentration. That's so. right. Well, you're welcome, Eric. Thanks for Thanks. inviting me. Great to be Talk, a part of it. Talk to you soon. Thanks. All right. Bye. Bye.
So I, I very much enjoyed that and will drop in on his seminar if I have time, uh, which actually we mentioned will be on Bright Talk on October 24th. If I don't drop in, I will listen to the recording. Uh, as I said several times, this is really a unique way of looking at how simulation can be leveraged uh, and it can have some significant impact compared to some of the things we do in the ANSYS tool. So do check that out and give it a try. Let's take a break for a commercial, talk about our simulation services group, and um, that's consulting from PADT. And uh, in the news section, we've got some important news in this area um, that we'll talk about. Dave, you know that sending simulation work outside can be very difficult. I sure do, Linda. It's so hard to find someone that knows how to conduct simulation that also understands our products and design needs enough to add value. How do you know you have the right partner? You are so right. That is why so many companies turn to PADT for their engineering simulation needs. They are experts in structural, fluid flow, thermal, and electromagnetic simulation. They know how to drive design with simulation because PADT has been doing it for over 23 years, and some of their staff members have been building and running models for over 30 years. That's a lot of experience, but let's be honest. Working with a lot of outside providers is like throwing your projects over a wall. You send it, wait, and then get a number and a bill. That isn't what most people need. You hit on a key difference with PADT's team and why they have been doing this for so long. They have the technology down, but they also know from experience that constant and smart communication with customers is critical. And when they get done, instead of delivering just a number and pretty plots, they provide insight into the physics and behavior of what they're modeling. It really is like having a group of experts right there on your team. That is comforting. You can get burned without that. So I know I'm being kind of a skeptic, but simulation can be expensive and budgets are tight. So I want to make sure they really are a good solution. My last question is, how on earth do they stay so up to date on so many things? Yes, their capabilities are kind of overwhelming in breadth and depth, but the answer is pretty simple. Besides doing simulation as a service, they are an ANSYS elite channel partner. They have to sell to and support over 100 customers. This gives them exposure to every ANSYS product and almost every industry and application. You really can't find that anywhere else. Okay, Linda, you convinced me. If someone needs to get some simulation done, how do they get started? Easy. They can email info at padtinc.com, call 1-800-293-PADT, or visit www.padtinc.com slash simulation. Someone from their engineering team will get back to them, usually within a day, to talk about what you need done. Cool. Thanks, Linda. Anytime. So what are you working on anyway? All right. Welcome back. Uh, let's take a look at the ANSYS stock. Uh, it, it almost hit $230 per share. It peaked at $229.20, I think, on Tuesday, October 15th. It's gone down a chunk since then. It's It's gone from that, that, that high of $229 down to $218.48. Um, that's, that's a close of the market on the 18th. It's the 19th today. Uh, I looked in the news to see if I could detect why this was going on. Why did why they have a big, uh, not a big, but a, a drop, which we haven't seen in a while. And I have no idea. Um, the earnings report for ANSYS for the third quarter is coming out on the 6th of November, which is not that far away. 
Um, so maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe, I don't know, people are selling before it comes out. I don't know. I don't understand it. I have no idea. Just know that the stock is down a little bit, but still very high. Uh, in fact, it's up 58.7% for the year to date, whereas the S&P 500 is only up 21.99%. So um, that's really good news. And again, that's all for the close of the market on the 18th. In ANSYS News, there's a couple press releases uh, on the ANSYS News website. Uh, it's mostly about customers being very happy with ANSYS and announcing partnerships and things. <clears throat> I, I found um, the one that talked about Richard Childress, Childress Racing, which is a NASCAR racing uh company, I guess. They make cars and motors and stuff. Um, they've had a partnership with Ansys for some time. They've renewed it. Um, and it's there's some interesting information in there about how they're getting better speeds and reliability on the track using Ansys tools. So I always thought that was kind of an interesting topic. Um, there's also a, a press release about a company called TurboTech that is making hybrid electric, um, non-electric um, airplanes. And um, they're using ANSYS to optimize their electric motors and such. So it's a pretty cool application. Someday we may all be flying around in electric cars. Or, well, hopefully electric cars that fly. But uh, maybe driving our electric car to the airport to fly in an electric airplane. Um, uh, there's also one from Samsung, which is, I think is pretty significant if you're on the electronics side of things. Um, what they did is they certified ANSYS Multiphysics to do multi-die packaging. So packaging is kind of how you put the chips on printed circuit boards and you have solder and leads and all these things. It can be a really complicated simulation to do. And uh, they talk about how they did that, which is, which is pretty cool. Um... That's pretty much it for the ANSYS news. Uh, PADT-wise, uh, it is official. We have a uh, some news to share with you from our consulting side of the business. We have a gentleman named Jeff Wells who has joined PADT um, in the engineering services department, heading up our business development for that department. So he'll be the person you contact for design, test, and simulation consulting. And he's a great person. He A lot of people here in Arizona know him from his previous job. Um, and a lot of our customers worked with him there before. So we're really happy to have him on board. Um, he's getting up to speed and learning all of our lingo and everything right now. I know all of you who do do consulting with us will enjoy working with him. And we're great and happy to have him on board. Publication-wise... Uh, the three articles that, that uh, are worth note in the ANSYS blog, there's quite a few in there. You should check it out. I just picked three. Um, the first one was, what is crosstalk, electromagnetic challenges, and trends in electronics? So <clears throat> we see this a lot with our customers. We've been, we've been adding new customers and adding seats at customers who are dealing with this idea of crosstalk, which is that two circuits that are near to each other kind of leak into each other, and you get one signal from one to leak into the signal on the other, and it causes problems. And so you want to design around that, get rid of it. You want to know how bad it is and then get rid of it. So they use ANSYS tools to do that. So this kind of explains how that works. <clears throat> There's also a really good article about a new thing called distributed compute services. And it's a, a tool for basically running a bunch of ANSYS jobs to do optimization. Um, and it's, it's called How to Use Distributed Computing to Speed Up Product Development. So DCS is Distributed Computing Services. Check that out. I'm, I'm not going to read the whole article to you on, on the podcast. So check it out. Uh, I found it really interesting. If you're not doing a lot of distributed computing, you should know that it's there in case you need it someday. 
And finally, I'm a sucker for these uh, uh, articles from the Optus folks doing the very, very sophisticated, realistic renderings, uh, ray tracings. Um, they have an article called Visual Simulation and VR help optimize HMIs to every driver's vision. So I had to look at what an HMI was, and that's the human-machine interface. It's the dials, the lights, um, the special indicators that tell you something's going on with your car. It's your dashboard, basically. And um, they point out the fact that because of age or glare or maybe colorblindness, you don't really know what that looks like to other people. So you can use a tool to say, you know, this is a 70-year-old person with cataracts or there's really bad glare from the sun here. Can a colorblind person differentiate what this uh, indicator check engine light looks like? So, so check that out. Uh, it was really interesting. I found it. I found it really cool. On our blog, uh, Ted Harris put out an article called "Ansys Called Ansys Mechanical Overcoming Convergence Difficulties with the Semi-Implicit Method." So he basically took like a like a two-liter Coke bottle and pushed on the top of it until it buckled and kind of caved in on itself. So that normally, as soon as it starts to buckle, it, the, we would have had a non-convergence and the model would have crashed. So now you can use this semi-implicit method to get through those, those large deformation buckling areas. It's got a really cool animation at the bottom as well of the, of the bottle kind of crumpling. So check that one out uh, from Ted. And uh, upcoming events. We've got a webinar um, that we just talked about, predicting and controlling um, pollution out there. So do do, um, do take a look at that one and register for it or listen to it after it's been recorded and released. And that's on brighttalk.com or you can go to our event page on our website at pdtinc.com. Um, Event-wise, we're going to the 2019 Governor's Celebration of Innovation next month. So, or not next month. <laughs> Ah, it's late. Next uh, week, um, so this is our annual gala here in town in Phoenix where everybody in the tech world kind of shows up and um, we we give out awards. Um, PDT makes the awards, so so we like the awards. They're pretty cool um, and, and they're going to look really cool this year. Um, I'm really excited about those. So that event is going to be, I'm looking it up right now, um, on the 24th. So uh, check that out, uh, 4 o'clock to 8.30 if you're here in Phoenix. It's a, it's a fun event. Everybody that's anybody in tech is there. So that's going to be Thursday the 24th down at the convention center in downtown Phoenix. And then uh, later in the month, we head down to Tucson for the other annual event that we love, which is the 2019 Southern Arizona Tech and Business Expo. And we have a lot of ANSYS customers down there in Tucson. So we hope you stop by the booth and say hi. Um, that's going to be on the 30th, which is a Wednesday. And we'll be there from 12 to 6, uh, just talking to people and enjoying the event. Then, uh, just so you know, we'll be at the 2019 Fuel Cell Seminar and NG Expo in Long Beach, and that's on the 5th and 7th through through the 7th of November. I'm looking forward to that. And then uh, next month's webinar is going to be on Flonex, so secondary air system modeling in Flonex. So we'll share more information about that when it becomes available. And that's it for our events. And that's it for the podcast. So thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to www.pdtinc.com slash opt in. You get all of our emails and our newsletter, which just went out. Spread the word. Let people know what's going on uh, and that they can listen to this podcast. And don't hesitate to reach out. So thank you very much for listening and uh, 
we'll I'm excited to see you at episode number 50. Thank you for joining us for the All Things Ansys podcast, episode number 49. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with Ansys Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com slash blog, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. See you next time.